Welcome in to Blitz and Buckets. My name is Kane Schwartz, and alongside me, far, far away, is Jaden Kozak, my co-host. How are you doing, brother? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah, it's a little chilly out here. I mean, we're both we were talking before the podcast. We got some ice in the mix, some rain in the mix. Mm-hmm. Not looking too good as far as the weather goes, but I can't complain. Things are starting to pick up with college. It's getting busy, but Definitely love to take this time with you, talk some sports over. So with that, let's get right into it. We got a Super Bowl recap to go through and totally did not go the way we expected. No, not at all. But we did mention during the podcast there there might be some issues with Patrick Mahomes and the pressure coming in on him. And we saw that on full display during the Super Bowl. Uh, he, uh, Patrick Mahomes finished 26 for 49, 270 yards. And who could believe they wouldn't score a touchdown? He had yeah. two interceptions. I mean, that was the shocker for me. Them not scoring a single touchdown, the most high powered offense in the league, not scoring a single touchdown. Crazy for yeah. me. Couldn't they had their chances. Like that, yeah. Right. Yeah. And most of it was just because he was under pressure the entire time. Like I said, we talked about it last week. Didn't have their two starting tackles. Their two starting tackles came out a little iffy, but they didn't have their tackles. And by the end of the game, there was three sacks, 10 quarterback hits, and Patty Mahomes was pressured on 29 of his 56 dropbacks, which is the most pressure applied to a quarterback in the Super Bowl since Jim Kelly in Super Bowl 26. Unbelievable. And he was, pre- Patty was pressured 29 times, Jim Kelly, 25 times. Like it was a significant margin there. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe, and you could see it, obviously. You don't even need to bring up the stats for that. He was just under duress the entire time. I was surprised it was only 29. I remember watching the game and just like looking around, talking to a couple of friends of mine. I was, I don't remember him having a clean pocket all game. Like right. it felt like either every throw was either rushed or, you know, he had to move out to get it out you know and or he took a sack right and it was just super weird to watch because you know that offense was so fluid all year there was almost no mistakes you can even look to the week before against or two weeks before against buffalo where you know once they clicked it on it looked like there was like nothing stopping them it was well oiled machine as it's been all year and you take one tackle out of the mix and it just the whole thing falls down and it was that bulls defense that was attacking aaron Rodgers last week that I believe it was 32 pressures mm-hmm. uh, put on Rodgers. And obviously he's got some better interior linemen with Elka Jenkins and Corey Lindsley. Um, but he didn't have either one of his tackles um, going into that game against ta- that Tampa Bay defense, but they were on him all night. It was a mess. The defense looked super undisciplined. I know that there was, you know, there's always going to be that it was rigged for Brady come on, these calls are bad. Like that whole narrative. I, I, hate I, I do too. But like when the, when you play that undisciplined, that's what's going to happen. Like the only one that I saw that was like, you know, you, you could call it, you could not was the, I think it was the Tyron Matthew to Gronk in the end zone that, or it might've been Mike Evans, but yeah, it was, it was Mike it Evans. Was, it was not it was, catchable. Yeah, it wasn't, catchable. it was not catchable. So I, I think yeah. that one could have been called back, but a lot of the other ones, like the trip on, uh somebody i think it might i think it was mike evans again 
where he was, you know, running straight down the field and he tripped him. Oh, you know, yeah. Right as the ball I was coming that. to him. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, that's an easy call. You call Great. that 10 times. That ball 10. was catchable. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I saw some complaints and the people that I was watching with, they were like, what's that call? Everybody's a Brady hater these days. They yeah. just don't want to see that man win. I personally, I'm a Tom, like, I wouldn't call myself a Tom Brady fan, but I, I, I'd love to see anybody get seven Super Bowls, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I could, that's history, history in the making. Yeah. We're seeing the greatest of all time play in our generation, and it's something special, you know? So I was, I was rooting against him, against Green Bay, because I'm a big Rodgers guy, and I'm, I wanted to see him win, especially, you know, considering Brady had a clean pocket almost all night, and Rodgers was running for his life, you know? Mm. And he's, he still had, I will say Aaron Rodgers had a much better game than Mahomes had. I don't know if the pressure is equal, but, I mean, if you look statistically – 32 to 29, Rodgers was facing a little bit more pressure with a lot less of an offense than what Mahomes is dealing with. But that's neither here nor there. Both of them lost. But it, it just felt so weird to also see that I feel like that Mahomes, or I guess the Chiefs really as a whole, of almost arrogance where, you know, they've been in this situation before. All right, we're down two scores. We'll figure it out. We will, you know, we'll come back. We'll score just like we always do. They did it last year in the Super Bowl. They did it against the Bills. They've done it all year, like where they found themselves in these holes, and they're like, okay, we're good enough. We're better than them. We're going to outplay them for the second half, and we're going to win this game. And that's what they've always done. That's what they've been able to rely on, and they couldn't. Yeah, there was no fight. Yeah, there was no fight whatsoever. I mean, he was trying his hardest. I can't say there wasn't any fight. Like a little stat for you. Patty ran 497 yards before his passes and his sacks. The most yards ran by any quarterback this season, pre-pass or sack. Like 497 yards? Yeah. That's insane. That's insane. It was. It really was like he was like actually like I've seen players run for their life against a team. He was just, like it was all night. And the right. other problem is like I was like I feel like to a certain extent, sometimes he puts himself in these scenarios because he tries to run backwards and make a play. And, you know, times he did. Like, that one to the corner of the end zone where that I thought he caught that ball, like not in bounds, but I thought that was one of the greatest catches I've ever seen because it looked like he caught it like right it was about to hit the ground with one hand. I was like – but, I mean, he obviously didn't get it. But, like, the way he tries to make something out of nothing, I feel like it helps him when it works. But more times than not, it doesn't. And it – didn't work a lot like I feel like you know maybe just stepping up in the pocket a few times and you know hitting one of your extremely fast wide receivers would be smart something like but running back and just forcing guys to run around and try and get open I feel like that's not going to be as effective strategy against a secondary that's as loaded as Tampa Bay's and a defense as a whole that's as loaded as Tampa Bay's like I remember underrating them a little bit coming into the season you know I was like the front seven's obviously pretty good but I don't, I don't really trust their secondary. They got a lot of young guys on that secondary that I'm not yeah. 100% sure if I trust them. You know, and they have that. kind of looked sketchy. Like yeah, in, certain in the playoffs, were, they've been great. But in yeah. the regular season, there was Early a lot of on. hype coming in for that defense, and they didn't really live up to the hype. Yeah, and but they really did start to heat up towards the end of the regular season into the playoffs, and they carried that momentum all the way up until Sunday, and they completely shut down one of the most – historically great offenses or nucleuses of an offense that we've seen ever. Right. Exactly. And I don't think it had that much to do with the past coverage. I just think it was purely Patty just running for his life. Like, and they get a Tyree kill was practically a non-factor in that game. And 
they did a great job defending him. Travis Kelsey is going to get his catches. Like, it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, because they have to guard that deep ball so much, it spreads the defense out so much, and he's just yeah. sitting there waiting in the middle of the field. Right. Like, yeah. that's, why, that's how he racks it up so well, and he gets, like, eight, nine, ten yards a catch because of that. And the, the other good thing that uh, Tampa Bay had going for them was they had Levante David, who's probably mm-hmm. one of the best coverage linebackers in the league, on Travis Kelsey, and I mean, granted, Kelsey had what ten catches for a hundred something yards, I believe it was. He had a pretty good game, um, but it was all you know, kind of towards the end of the game, you know, where it was almost didn't matter. Right. Exactly. But, yeah. But overall, disappointing Super Bowl in my opinion. But I mean, the eliteness of Tom Brady—you cannot doubt it. You cannot doubt it. So I want to talk a little bit about the Chiefs going into next year. They do have some notable free agents on the board. They got Alex Okafor on the defensive end. Not that huge of a name, but he did finish with three sacks on the year. The biggest name on the list, Daniel Sorensen, the safety. He is going to get paid by somebody if it's not the Chiefs. And it felt like he was a staple of that defense. And it's going to really hurt him if he get, they let him go in free agency. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think so. I think he had an under like kind of an under the radar season where, you know, especially on a team that's got you, you focus so much on that. Right. You know, the offense. offense. Yeah. You're not looking at much as the defense. You know, you're thinking about Chris Jones. You're thinking about Tyron Matthew. That's pretty much it. I mean, Frank Clark, but like that's pretty much it. You're not talking about some of those guys that do their job pretty quietly, but somebody could pay him a lot of money. And I don't think it's going to be able to be Kansas City just because, you know, they do have a lot of holes to fill a lot more holes than a lot of people think we saw that. As evident Sunday, you know, you are missing your two tackles to injury, but the interior of that line is not great. Your secondary, or your specifically your corners, not great. So you're going to definitely need some work there, and it's not all going to be able to be addressed in the draft because I honestly think the Chiefs might target another, you know, another weapon for their yeah. offense, another receiver or something like that to just continue right. to make them more dangerous. And not to mention, to Sammy Watkins is leaving in free agency, so. Yeah. They might go for another offensive weapon but for they, sure. They can't continue to neglect the trenches like they have been. Right. And event like just like it did Sunday, it could come back to bite them. Yeah, definitely. And another big guy on the secondary for them, not a super – we don't think of him in the top corners in the league, but it's their starting corner. Brashad Breland's leaving too, potentially leaving in free agency. So they've definitely got some questions on that defense. But Tampa Bay – might have some more questions as far as notable free agents go. I mean, if you if you look at the list of guys that's free agents, you got Shaq Barrett, Levante David, Gronk, Nadam Kinsu, Leonard Fournette, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown, all notable free agents for the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it, it they it can't bring like all a, those guys back. Yeah. I mean it felt like almost like a year of like, you know what, let's bring all these guys together. Mm-hmm. This is probably not gonna be our last run, but it's going to be really hard to bring, you know, more than a few of those guys. But I think Fournette, you know, while he's not getting up there, but in running back years he is, you know, mm-hmm. especially the way that he runs, he's not going to be getting paid a whole lot by the Bucks, especially with what they've got going on. Some team could, you know, try and give him money. Yeah. I Shaq definitely Barrett, think Leonard's going to get paid. Like yeah, by somebody. He, he had a great playoffs and he proved it. And by having his best game in the Super Bowl. In the playoffs, he finished with 300 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, 18 catches, 148 receiving yards, and a receiving touchdown. Like, 
stats like that get money. He only got paid $2 million a year this year and somebody's going to pay him the talents there. I, I was a huge Leonard Fournette guy when he was in Jacksonville and especially coming out of LSU, I thought he was going to be a top five back in his league and he just never really lived up to that. Yeah. But it looked like there was, you know, potential there to have it, but he just, uh, Jacksonville, it's kind of hard for them to get anything going there. And then he, you know, had a few good years there where they were, you know, one of the top teams in the AFC, but it just never materialized into him being enough to carry an offense, especially with the weapons that they, you know, the quarterback play obviously wasn't there, but, I think the Bucks are definitely going to have some issues bringing a lot of those guys back. Yeah. Shaq Barrett's probably going to be looking in the 20-ish million dollar range. Levante David will probably be coming. I, I think he ends up coming back to Tampa Bay, but I think Shaq Barrett might end up having to walk. I think Shaq Ron Barrett Kuda, led the league in sacks last year. Like yeah. he's a really talented guy, and he proved it in the Super Bowl. And it's gonna it's gonna hurt to lose Shaq Barrett. Him. Yeah, I think Gronk either comes back to Tampa Bay or he. He just goes back to retirement. Yeah. Sue could end up going uh, elsewhere on a lower deal, but right. I think Godwin also gets let go. I don't think they can afford to bring him back. I think AB would be back. I don't think he goes anywhere other than Tampa Bay, but I think Godwin will end up, you know, leaving, going to some team, really, you know, like Indianapolis or some team that needs mm-hmm. receiver. There talent. was an interesting comment from Bruce Arians today. The whole parade was today, and. Uh, Interesting comment from Bruce. He said, uh, Mike Evans, I forget the context it was in. Mike Evans was talking to the fans like of Tampa Bay. He was like, you guys deserve this. Like we finally brought it home. And it was basically saying like, I'm going to be here for a long time. Like Mike Evans, it sounded like that was what he was giving off. And Bruce Arians picked up on that. And Godwin was to Mike Evans left. And Arians leans into the mic and he says, your ass ain't going anywhere either. <laughs> so, like, if that's a case, then I think Godwin might stay. I mean, that sounds pretty confident from a guy like Bruce Arians. Yeah, I mean, I think he'd like for him to stay, but I, I believe the number was $28 million for them. I mean, they're obviously going to move around some guys, you know, probably end up cutting some players that are trading some guys around to make – space for the guys they got to bring back but there's no way they bring back everybody mm-hmm. yeah and, and like Godwin's everybody might be the highest paid player out of all the, the whole bunch that they're losing yeah and and he's at the position in which they have the most depth you know you've got right. mike evans there who's a clear number one you can bring back ab scotty miller looks solid the other guy i believe his name was tyler johnson mm-hmm. he is very solid i think he's somebody that can come in and you know be a third receiver he could fill godwin's role next year if you know given the right opportunities he's very talented especially for where they picked him up i think he was like a very late round pick Mm -hmm. but he's somebody that could definitely fill godwin's role so i i don't see any reason for them to bring him back unless he's coming in on an extremely team-friendly deal right there's been talks about mike evans possibly getting a team-friendly deal like he told he came out and said that he was willing to take a pay cut to bring all these guys back but i don't think you can possibly bring everybody back that you're gonna lose so take that with a grain of salt but positives for the bucks they are bringing back their entire starting offensive line which was phenomenal this year and they're bringing back Antoine Winfield Jr., obviously. They're bringing him back. Carlton Davis, who I think is a great corner, top 10 at least, corner in the league. So they do have some pieces coming back. And we'll just see. We'll have to see. I, as far as their Super Bowl chances next year, I, 
I'm tired of betting against Tom Brady. Any, as long as he's an active player in the NFL, I've learned. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna put too many times. Right, me too, me too. Like, as long as he is active and stands on two feet and plays quarterback in the NFL, I'm favoring that team for the Super Bowl at the start of the season. So. Anyway, let's move on from the Super Bowl talk. And we had some NFL awards come out. So let me recap for you. We got Aaron Rodgers walking away with the MVP. Not much dispute there. We talked about it a little bit on the podcast. Amazing year for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely Love to see it. Love to see it. And Derrick Henry finishes with the Offensive Player of the Year. Not much argument there. Yeah. You know, pretty undisputed best running back in the league just dalvin dalvin's kind of got yeah just for what for what derrick henry does there's nobody like it but to say he's the best running right. back in the league i feel like you know mccaffrey's got to be there dalvin's got to be there just because derrick henry isn't as much like i remember if you're down like two scores to a good team you can't really use him like right. i remember against the colts they basically took him out for the entire last possession because he is of no value in the passing game right and I felt like it was too – like, for a guy to have a 2,000-yard rushing season, it felt extremely – like, I know people were Definitely. talking about him all year, like, going crazy and everything, but for him to have a 2,000-yard rushing season, that's not common. Like, I'm pretty sure the last guy to have a 2,000-yard rushing season was Adrian Peterson, and that was, mm-hmm. like, the story of the whole year. Granted, right. he was coming off that Achilles injury, but, like, that was, like, the only thing to talk about. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess maybe with everything else going on, you know, he wasn't talked about as much, but mm-hmm. – One thing that I will say – like, if you take Dalvin Cook and you take the Vikings, they have a passing game that can be efficient. And same thing with the Panthers. Like, they have a passing game that can be efficient. And so do the Titans. But the Titans run their game plan through Derrick Henry. Yeah. And I don't think the Panthers do that with McCaffrey. And I don't think the Vikings do that with Dalvin as much. Not, like, not as much. I do yeah. think the Panthers run a lot more through McCaffrey than – you know, the Vikings, obviously, because a lot of their passing game is relying on McCaffrey as well. Mm-hmm. So you got to take that into account. But that whole that whole offense doesn't go without Henry. I will grant you that because, you know, right. teams sell out to stop him, leaves guys open a lot with play action. That's what makes Tannehill look good. It makes A.J. Brown look good um, so that he makes their offense go. So there was no dispute. He definitely should have won offensive player of the year. Yeah, Definitely. Next up, we got Offensive Rookie of the Year, taking it away this year, Justin Herbert. Do you think there's any debate? Justin Jefferson was on Twitter, kind of felt shorted. And do you think there's any debate that Justin Jefferson could have won that award? I think there's obviously a debate. Like, there, you've obviously got to have the conversation of, you know, did he deserve it? But And it felt like towards the end of the year, he was starting to build ground towards it because, you know, he was setting record after record after record, whether team Mm -hmm. record, you know, rookie records, whatever. But Herbert had like an all-time great rookie quarterback season. A lot of people don't real like a lot of people want to grab onto the receiver. But what Herbert was doing was like something that we haven't seen from a rookie in a very, very long time. So I think there's a debate, but I don't think you can give it to Jefferson over Herbert, especially with – you know, the quarterback position being valued a little bit more than the mm-hmm. receiver position. I definitely agree with you. I mean, Justin Herbert, think about the story there. He comes in as the backup QB. Obviously, he was a top draft pick, but comes in as the back QB nonetheless. Tyrod Taylor starts the year. Tyrod punctures his lung by the team doctor. And Justin Herbert, fresh off the block, comes in 
and nobody could have guessed what he did. He finished with 4,336 yards on the year passing. That's sixth in the league and 31 touchdowns. That's 10th in the league. Those, those are great numbers. Great numbers. Those are great, like veteran numbers. And I remember talking to a friend of mine, that's a Chargers fan. And I remember texting him when Tyrod Taylor came out, because I think he was at work or something. And he was like, why, what are we doing? What are we doing? Why are we doing this? Because like, I mean, he's Tyrod Taylor is good enough to the point where, cause he doesn't lose you games. You know, he, mm-hmm. he can, he's not the typical scrambling quarterback that, you know, maybe makes some ill-advised throws. A lot of times he's very safe with his throws and he's not going to lose you the game. He may not right. win you the game all the time. But he's not going to lose mm-hmm. it for you, yeah. but I mean, it obviously worked out <laughs> like he's, right. he's Definitely. fully, bo- I mean, the chargers are fully bought into Herbert. Like, there's not a very long list of guys that if you're starting a franchise and you got to pick one player, I don't think there's too many guys in front of Justin Herbert right now. Yeah. Right. Which is crazy to me. Cause I remember watching the draft and I remember a lot of talk going into the draft and during the draft was that Herbert, it probably one of the more unpolished prospects yeah. out of the group that came in. And that was like, that was the consensus. A lot of a lot of experts agreed on that, but he comes in and proves everybody wrong. Great season for Justin Herbert. Moving on, we got defensive rookie of the year. My fellow, not fellow, because I don't play on the team, but Washington football team player, Chase Young, walking away with defensive rookie of the year. I believe he finished with nine and a half sacks on the year, and he's just going to go up from here. Not, he not the kind of season that Herbert had, like as – as far as like electrifying goes, but he's a presence on the field. Oh yeah. He's going to be a leader of that defense for as long as he's in Washington. He is insanely good, insanely talented, God given talent. He's an amazing leader for how old he is. Like he's, he's really a likable guy. I like Chase Young a lot. Yeah, me too. Me too. You just, obviously I watch all the games and you just look out on the field and he's bigger and more prominent than anybody else out there before the play even starts. And then you can just, you can do, and he brings an energy to the team that we never had before. Like he comes and he's taking shots at Tom Brady before the playoff game. And like, we didn't have any sort of that enthusiasm. Well, you had, you had nothing to be proud of. Like there was no, like, yeah, we've got this guy. Like now the whole Washington, we've got this guy, like, Right. We can do what we we got this guy, mm-hmm. like, but exactly. yeah, he he's he's a great leader for how old he is, and I think he's going to be a star in no time. Definitely, definitely. Moving on, we got a comeback player of the year, obviously, hands down, Alex Smith. No debate whatsoever. A lot of people are saying that they should maybe even name the award after him. And yeah, I th- I think that's a I think that's a fair idea. Yeah. Right. For those of you that don't know, Alex Smith. Came out about what was it two years ago, one year ago, something like no. that. It was, it was at least it wasn't last season, so it was at least the yeah. season before last, right? Right, and Midway he gets injured. We were going on a run with Alex Smith, and we looked like a playoff contender, definitely. And because that was before everything happened, like Alex Smith was still a great quarterback in the league, like not top 10 or anything, but he was still very solid and he breaks his leg in a game and they were talking about amputating his leg they were talking about how he'd maybe never walk again never play football maybe not even survive and give it time and he comes back and coming into the year I didn't even expect him to be a 
starting quarterback. Like I thought he was going to be at the third strength for the year for sure. And he ends up starting for us and leading us to the top of the division. So love to see that coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski. I don't think there's much debate there either. I think what he did as like, as far as improvement goes, you know, you can't take that away. I think there were a lot of guys though this year that you could argue, you know, could have won coach of the year. Like, I mean, I don't, I feel like McDermott won it last year for, for some reason, but he's a guy that's got to be up there. You know, mm-hmm. um, Frank Reich's got to be up there for Indy. Mm-hmm. Like there were a lot of guys that could have been in consideration, but I feel like Stefanski was the most qualified. Yeah, definitely. And taking the Browns who have, and it's like a good story there too, like yeah. taking the Browns who have been down and out for so many years and leading them and beating the uh, Steelers. In spectacular fashion, but like, I just think Browns and I think that game, like, I just, I imagine you do too. Next year's going to be fun. (laughs) Anyway, our most important talking point as far as these awards go, your boy, what, getting snubbed over the defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald takes it away and what are your, I'll go to you. What are your thoughts on that? So there was obviously a lot of argument when it happened. Like, you know, there's people pulling stats from here, 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 and here. And all of those stats, or at least most of those stats, are in favor of TJ Watt. Right. Now, the whole argument of, you know, Donald gets doubled and tripled more just because there's less of a threat on their, you know, defensive line, whereas the Steelers got, you know, Hayward to it, Dupree, we had for 10 games. But I feel like you, you can't say – you can't be hypocritical and say, you know, you give it to the best player because, you know, he's getting focused on more and his stats may not all be there. But you give it to him anyway because he's the best player, so he should be defense player of the year. And then, like, give it to – give, like, I don't know, give MVP Rodgers when, you know, Mahomes is – most people would say is the best, better player, had a similar – not yeah, as no, good of a year. I totally agree with you. It's not about like the talent of the player. I yeah. think Aaron Donald said probably it's more talented player. Oh yeah, I will definitely Watt. say that. Yeah, hundred percent. But yeah. if you if you're taking it off of, and I know that voter fatigue is also a thing in you know most because like for example Tom Brady or Peyton Manning would have probably won MVP every single year. Just the same way in the NBA, whereas like the argument is LeBron should win MVP. MVP every single year because of how much he means to his team and how he is the best player in the league almost at all times. So he should win MVP every year, but due to voter fatigue or whatever you want to call it, other players end up winning the award because, you know, it's narrative driven. Whereas I don't know what happened with TJ Watt, you know, last year, Aaron Donald was the best defensive player in football Mm -hmm. and they gave it to Stephon Gilmore. Yeah. So then this year, you know, and there was an argument last year for Watt to win it. So I don't know what the agenda is. I don't know why Yeah, we're not neither. giving it to TJ Watt, but you it think is about what the it major is. stat category, like stat categories. He finished with more tackles than Aaron Donald, 53 to 41, 15 sacks to 13.5 sacks, 23 tackles for loss versus 12, 55 pressures versus 42 and 41 quarterback hits versus 26. Those are basic. I pulled that right from JJ Watts Twitter feed and he said it, he said it himself. Definitely robbed on the defensive player of the year. Yeah. I I just agree with you. 
I mean, it's going to help us come contract time. So right. at least I can say that, but that's about all I, I, I don't know how you do that. I've heard some people, you know, argue it both ways. I get the, you know, since he's an interior defensive lineman, he's, you know, less likely to get sacks and he obviously does much more in uh, run stopping than TJ Watt does, but TJ Watt's one of the best run stopping edge players mm-hmm. in the NFL. Like, you don't you don't ask Aaron Donald to go sit out in coverage, but TJ Watt can do that too. Yeah, like definitely. that's not what he's asked to do. Right, exactly. Definitely sub on the defense player of the year. As we move on to our next topic, we're gonna do a little segment we call buy or sell, uh, based on NFL rumors that have been coming in over the past week. So we will start with news as far as Carson Wentz goes. He has been expected to be traded, and the official report is the Eagles expected to trade Wentz, in the words of Adam Schefter, in the coming days. And this was tweeted on February 6th, which was only four days ago. So the clock is ticking. And some rumored trades that were thrown around in there, you got Patriots of Panthers, but more notably, the Chicago Bears are looking to make a move on Carson Wentz. But... Rumor has it that they're growing impatient. The offer right now that stood, that was rumored going out was Carson Wentz and a draft pick for a first-round pick, Nick Foles and Tariq Cohen. And I don't – apparently the Bears aren't willing to give that up. And personally, I wouldn't give that up for Carson Wentz either. I, I think I, Stafford – they want a haul that's similar to Matt Stafford, and I don't think they'll be able to get that. Mm-hmm. Like, Matt Stafford had a pretty – decent season and Carson Wentz did not obviously yeah like I just so are you buying or selling Wentz to Chicago possibly growing impatient there what are your thoughts I'm buying on the fact that it's too it's I think that deal is too much I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense for Philadelphia to be honest with you when if you know you're bringing Cohen in. He's not better than Miles Sanders. So, you know, mm-hmm. okay, well, you want to bring Cohen in to run like a dual back system. You've got Boston Scott, who both of them are younger than Tariq Cohen. Right. What, what, I, don't, I don't really see the gain there. If you're and they got Corey Clement, too, in the back. Yeah. Like, so if you're going to get a, if you're going to take a starter from Chicago, or I mean, I guess Cohen kind of lost his starting spot to Montgomery due to Cohen's injury. But if you're going to take a player, take somebody that you could use. Don't right. take somebody that, you know, is going to sit on your bench. I think a first-round pick for Wentz is a little bit too high, but I also feel like a second-round pick is too low because Wentz has talent. There's talent there. Like, he's, he's got elite quarterback skill. Like, I've, I've seen it. Mm-hmm. People forget how good he was the year, before, the year they went to the Super Bowl, and he tours it. He was, like, the MVP yeah. favorite, yeah. one of the MVP Definitely. favorites mm-hmm. right before he got hurt. And – I mean, I don't know if it's, you know, confidence issues, if it's issues with Doug Peterson, but there's talent there. So, you know, we could be looking back on this if this trade does end up happening and saying, wow, you know, the Bears or the Eagles got robbed. They could have gotten a lot more for Carson Wentz. They should have taken more than a first, a 30-something-year-old quarterback and that's going to be a backup and another running back that's going to be a backup. But we could end up seeing this to be entirely too much as he may not pan out in Chicago. But yeah. Chicago doesn't really have a whole lot of options with all the talent that they have surrounding mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky. He is <laughs> obviously not their guy. And they At got least. Allen Robinson leaving in free agency. Yeah. So 
that's your biggest weapon there. I think Anthony Miller's pretty solid, but he's no Allen Robinson. I think Allen Robinson is one of the a, a top five wide receiver in this league if you give him a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely plausible. One thing that I do want to mention, I think you mentioned the Panthers possibly being in the running for Deshaun Watson a few weeks ago, and I thought that was interesting. Maybe they're in the run for Carson Wentz because I went through and – they offered an eighth pick, the eighth pick in the draft, the eighth overall, fifth round pick, and Bridgewater for Stafford, just Matthew Stafford, according to Adam Schefter. So, if the, if the Eagles can get that for Carson Wentz, I think you have to take it because oh, yeah. the team, the team right now, it's constructed to win three years ago. So you're really running out of time with a lot of the you're you know you've got Lane Johnson, Kel, Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, Brandon. Gr- those guys are not young. Like those right. are those are older guys. So you've kind of got to figure out a way to win now, or you've got to figure out a way to start moving those guys out right. for you know younger pieces. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Okay, next segment on buy or sell. Some news on Russell Wilson fronts. News this week: he had an appearance on the Dan Patrick Snow on Tuesday, and he said, and I quote: "At the end of the day, it's your legacy, your team's legacy." It helps to be involved more as terms of like the front office decisions. That dialogue should happen more often. And then after the Dan Patrick show, as if it couldn't go any further, he calls for a press conference or like a video conference. And he says the team needs to find ways to get better. And I quote, I've definitely been hit. I've been sacked almost 100 times or 400 times. My apologies. So And when asked if there was any frustration with the franchise, he said, I'm frustrated with getting hit too much. So do you think the Seahawks realistically trade Russell Wilson? I want to buy on that. I really do. Because that means that we've got two top five quarterbacks hitting the open market. Well, not the open market, but the trade market in Mm -hmm. the same offseason, which is something like top five quarterback hasn't hit the trade market in like 15 years. And we could have two in the same offseason. Yeah. But I, I I can't see them getting rid of him. I just can't because like you've got a team there. Like yeah. you've got guys there that you could Definitely. win with now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you draft well this year and you could be, a, you could, you know, make it to the NFC championship game next year. Like, right. All you got to do is draft well, sign well. And yeah. you're right there. You've got, you know, Wilson, Carson, DK, Lockett, a bad line, but mm-hmm. you know, you draft well. Their defense Jamal Adams was a problem. The defense. Yeah, you've yeah. Got, and you've got the names there to mm-hmm. be a great de- – got Jamal Adams and Bobby Wagner. That's two guys that most teams would kill to have. But right. they, they continue to neglect the trenches. And they got Dunlap from the Bengals mm-hmm. too. They can, but they continue to neglect the trenches. They haven't drafted offensive linemen very well. They haven't drafted defensive linemen very well. Mm-hmm. They've got to start drafting there a lot better if they want to be a Super Bowl team, which they can be with the – you know, the – big names that they have yeah. but if he does hit the trade market i think a few teams would be able to put together a very nice package for russell wilson i think the eagles could be in the conversation to put that in there for you know like carson wentz the eagles have a lot of aging linemen whether it be on the offensive or defensive side you know you could send fletcher cox you could send lane johnson you could send kelsey you could send one of those guys in a pick for Russell Wilson, the Vikings could also make a run at him, you know, sending a first round pick, Kirk Cousins, some other future picks. 
and that's a perfect offense. The Saints could also be in that conversation, which would make them very scary going into next year. Yeah. But I, I just can't see Seattle Me neither. even Me neither. picking up the phone. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, definitely. I think I don't it's not like he was out there openly asking for a trade. And I'd be frustrated too. I mean, probably not the way to go about it, like voicing your opinions in front of everybody, but he does have a point. I think a lot of the frustration comes from the Rams game. I mean, that Rams game was ugly. You know, he was sacked five times. He was hit 17 times and he threw an interception. So I think a lot of the frustration stems from that and being sacked 400 times in his career ought to do it too. But I don't see, yeah, I don't see them trading him. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Moving on. We got some news on the Dak Prescott front this week. A hype video was released by the Cowboys on Twitter after the Super Bowl, and it had the biggest names you could ask for from the Cowboys. It had Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, Demarcus Lawrence, Emmitt Smith, Troy Aikman, but no Dak. No Dak. Do you think there's any news there? I think there's something to look at there with him not being in it, but I think a lot that that can be attributed to some uncertainty with them going into this offseason, you know, maybe not being able to bring him back. So you've got to you can't put him in it because then that makes everybody believe, oh, my God, Dak's coming back. But now that you've left him out of it, now everybody's like, well, Dak's gone. So I don't know yeah. why you release a hype video for the incoming season in February. Yeah, you could have saved that. Right. I, I And I there's a chance that they did that just to send a message. Why on earth would you create a hype video for a season that starts in September in August yeah. before you've got your rookies, before you got your free agents? I think they may have done that to send a message of, you know, Dak Prescott isn't coming back. I don't know. I, as far as like the hype video concerning whether Dak Prescott is going to come back to the Cowboys. It I sounds don't think, silly. It sounds yeah. silly. I understand what you're saying, but. Right. I no, know. I think I think there's a little bit of a point there. My thing is they don't if I, if they felt the need to release a hype video right after the Super Bowl. Apparently their thought process was that we want people to get excited. Everybody's thinking about like football right now. We want people to think about the Cowboys, yada yada yada. But they don't know if Dak's going to be back. So you you do the hype video with people you know are going to be in like on that team. You know, they you, they don't know if Dak's going to be back. So you wouldn't make the hype video with Dak in it. So I don't really see that much. I'm selling that for sure. For sure. Moving on, we got Deshaun Watson. Just want to touch on this. Not much news since we covered it last week, but they keep stressing that they want to hold on to Deshaun Watson. Are you buying or selling that he stays in Houston? I've got to sell that. I, I'm so against the whole, we're going to hold you against your will and you're going to like it because yeah. you're under contract for us. I, I don't think that makes any sense work. for either side. I'm mm -hmm. definitely, definitely selling on that. I think there's no way that he makes it to week one. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. I think maybe there's a chance. I don't think he'll ever play it down for the Houston Texans again. Now, when they trade him, that's up for concern, like maybe sits out first two weeks. I mean, we've seen it happen before with other players, but I'm that he won't play another down for the Houston Texans. He's one of the best players in the NFL, and he doesn't, he should not waste his talent in Houston. Definitely. 
All right. So moving on from the NFL and we got the NBA news this week. So the all-star game creeping up on us and LeBron had some nasty comments for it. He was like, I quote, I have zero energy and zero excitement about the all-star game this year. And he said, I don't even understand why we're having an all-star game. So, and he also said, then they throw an all-star game on us like this. And that was in reference to like how the original plan was not going to have an all-star game. And he thought they were going to have a break. And then he was like, then they throw an all-star game on us like this. And it breaks all that up. It pretty much is kind of a slap in the face. And I could, I got to agree with him. Like they're already coming off. They had a super long playoff run and they're coming off of a short break. And now to hear that you got to go to the all-star game, which won't even come close to what it usually is because of COVID. Like I wouldn't, there's no way I would want to participate in an all-star game either. You know, I I don't see the point. I think, you know, the only reason that I could think of that Adam Silver would want to make this happen is, you know, maybe to try and bring back some revenue from what they've lost. Obviously, you know, they're running at an extremely low capacity in every stadium to, you know, bring some money back into the league. But I just, I feel like there's no reason to do that because to a certain extent, all you're going to get is viewers. Like you're not getting any, you're not getting really any ticket sales and you're killing the players when they've only been playing for what, two months, I think that what was the schedule for like mid-March, something like that. Mm-hmm. They were already – they planned on having it Martin Luther King Day. I agree with having an all-star break. I don't really know how yeah. you go about doing oh, that yeah. because then, you've, then you have to deal with the problem of guys going home. And mm-hmm. when guys go home, they're not following COVID protocols as much as they should be because they're in their own homes mm-hmm. around their family who has not been following it to the NBA standards. So then you've come you, – I think it's got to be – the weeks, the break has got to be a week long, and then you've got to probably do what another week of you know coming back and being in team facilities and stuff like that to try and you know make sure that the COVID is not a problem. So I, I don't see any reason to have an All Star game. I think a break would be nice, mm-hmm. but I think a game is pointless. Yeah, me too. Me too. There's it. I agree with LeBron. There can't be any excitement there. It's a different kind of season, you know. Like uh, the All Star game in this kind of year, don't force it. There's no need to, you know, but I have faith in Alden Silver. I, I really like him as a commissioner. I think he'll make, I mean, I know they're having an all-star game, but he's got to have his reasons, you know, yeah. like. he He's beginning to not look so great in the public. You think? I, like, I think the bubble was a great idea and like mm-hmm. not many other leagues can execute that because of where they were at in their season, where they were, you know, just about to the playoffs and you can bring a few teams in and kick teams out as soon as they are done. But I, I think he's really beginning to look bad in the public light, like, you know, postponing certain games, not postponing other games, having teams play with seven players. And then this thing where it's, I mean, there's really no other answer than you need money. That's right. the only thing that I could think of, of a reason mm-hmm. why you would have an all-star game. Like, yeah. He's really not looking good, and he's not looking like the savior of all sports commissioners that he was deemed into being when, you know, he made some moves like the Donald Sterling banning. It's been really quiet, like, and we've thought of him in a really great light for not really any reason. Right. Yeah, definitely. And with players like LeBron calling you out about the all-star game decision, you're definitely starting to, yeah, can't have that. Can't have that. 
So another segment that we're introducing to the podcast might stick along, might not, but we'll try it out today. Pretenders and contenders in the NBA today. And I'd like to start with the Utah Jazz, who arguably are the hottest team in the NBA. They're first in the West. They're on a five-game winning streak, and they're 9-1 and one in the last 10 games. In the five-winning winning streak, they've got wins against Atlanta, Charlotte, who looks good this year, Indiana, and Boston. So I think – what are your thoughts on the Jazz? Pretenders or contenders this year? I think as far as title contenders, I think they're pretenders. I, I don't think that they can stick with the L.A. teams. I think, though – that if things work out and by some miracle they hold this one seed, I I mean, it's really close right now. And Utah usually hits hits a stretch. They've done that for the last two years where they hit a stretch in like January, February. Obviously this is usually two months in the season where January, February this year is the start of the season, but they hit a stretch where they just rip off like 20 wins in like 22 games, something like that. And just like keep stacking up wins and that's how they end up, you know, getting a higher seat every year. But I, I don't think they're a title contender. I think they're a good team. I think they've mm-hmm. figured out their spacing issues, their bench issues. But I don't think they can stay And the Gobert LA. and Donovan Mitchell questions, too, because there was a lot yeah. of debate coming into the year that they mm-hmm. might not be the best of teammates. But it's looking okay so far this year. Yeah. But I will say, though, if they can hold on to this one seed and have the two L.A. teams play each other in the second round, get rid of one of them early and you've only right. got to play one for a chance to the finals. There's a chance there. You got something there. I just don't think they can beat one of those teams in a seven game series. So yeah. I'm calling, I'm so I'm calling pretenders on the jazz. Definitely. Definitely. I agree with you. Next team on the docket. One of my favorite teams, obviously I'm about to Celtics guy, but really exciting team Phoenix Suns. They're fourth in the West with a 14-9 record. They're on a three-game winning streak, and they're 6-4 and four in the last 10 games. So are you calling pretenders or contenders on the Phoenix Suns? I think they're – I think they – honestly, I think they've got a better chance of competing with, you know, an L.A. than the Jazz do just because they've got some veteran leadership, but they've also got young guys to mix in with that energy. So I think they can contend – but only to us, like, I think there's, it's just, they're in a tier of their own. Those two LA teams are like, right. it's them two, you know, then you're talking jazz, Suns, yeah. nuggets, those teams in the West. So mm-hmm. I'm calling contenders because I think they have a chance. I, right. I think they have a better chance than the jazz do for sure. Really? Interesting. Interesting. I, I think they'll hold their spot. Like they're a top five team in the West, in my opinion. You think you got, the Nuggets, the Nuggets, but they've been struggling. You got the Jazz. You got Portland possibly playing a role, but I think the Suns will outcompete Portland this year. Portland hasn't looked too hot. You got the two LA teams, and that puts the Suns right around fourth or fifth in the West. So I think they maintain that spot. But as far as on a playoff run, I can't see it happening. I, I think can't. they could rip off some games. Really? I think they could. I think Chris Paul – being able to control that because Devin Booker cannot be the focal point of your offense. If Chris Paul is the focal point of your offense, right. Devin Booker is great. Yeah. Devin Booker is extremely talented, but he can't be the focal point of your offense. If you can make guys key in on Chris Paul because of how great of a leader is and you know how he elevates players in a LeBron-esque way, I think he can carry that team 
while Devin Booker is probably the better player at the point of his career, but Chris Paul could carry them to, you know, maybe a conference yeah. title appearance. Right. They can that man will not quit. Like yeah. CP3, you thought his career was done in OKC. Like, oh, he's just dead. There was talks that he wasn't even going to play a game for OKC. Yeah. And he comes in and he does great. And he just won't quit this year either. He's averaging 16.4 points per game. And he's fifth in the league in assists with 8.2. So really impressive year from CP3. And Booker leads the team in scoring. It's They've got some good pieces. They got Jay Crowder there. That's a new piece. And they got Michael Bridges. I love Michael Bridges. Becoming a great defensive guard. And he's got some scoring presence. So... I think I really like the Suns. I think they're really exciting, but making a playoff run, not totally sure. So moving on, we got these Spurs who are sitting at six in the West right now with a 14 and 11 record. And they've definitely got some pieces there, some young guys, some older guys. What are you calling on the Spurs, pretenders or contenders? I think pretenders for now. I think they've got a lot of young pieces that I want to see how they you know, develop into the future. Obviously, DeJounte Murray looks like he's going to be a very, very solid, you know, guard for that team. Yeah. But I just I feel like that weird mix of because they play two completely different styles. Mm-hmm. Like that younger group plays completely different from like DeRozan and Aldridge. I think DeRo- one of DeRozan or Aldridge gets dealt by the deadline to a team that's really? looking to win now, like mm-hmm. immediately, whereas the Spurs, I feel like, are not really in a position to win now and they know it to the point where I don't think they're going to make a push to try and win now. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm calling pretenders on them for this season. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like they have like the right pieces that just blend together Fit together. Like, yeah. Yeah. You've got guys like Patty Mills, Rudy Gay and LaMarcus Aldridge who have been in the league for forever. And then you got super young guys. You got Derek White, Lonnie Walker, DeJounte Murray. You got Keldon Johnson who's looked great so far this year. It's like, those are two completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Like, it just doesn't seem like it's going to work very well. I'm calling pretenders as well. Yeah. Moving on, we got the Pacers, who are sitting at fifth in the East right now at 12 and 12. Coming in a little slow. They're three-game losing streak right now, and they're four and six in their last 10. But I don't think – I think they're definitely contenders. I like the Pacers this year. How, what are your thoughts? I think – they're a team that is slept on, but for good reason, because there isn't, there's a lot of talent on the team. Brogdon, you know, plays a lot better than, you know, his skills show. Sabonis is the same way where like, you look at them, they're not completely physically opposing. They don't have a standout skill, but they do everything well. Mm-hmm. Like, and both of those guys are the same way. I think Lavert will be an influx of offense that oh, would be yeah. really nice for them. Yeah, I can't wait and for Karras to get there. He's just going to do better yeah. in Indiana. And Miles and, Turner, who continues to get more blocks than rebounds right. by some weird yeah. – I don't know how. Unbelievable. He, 79 he, blocks of, on the year. Yeah, can't he's one of those that. unreal talents that, like, teams would kill for, and then he just sits out at the three-point line like he's 6'5". Like, I, I don't understand it. Like he's got God-given basketball talent to go out and grab 15 rebounds a night and just won't, will not do it. But I think it's going to be hard for them to compete with the top end. You know, they don't have enough offense to beat Philly as we saw the other night. I don't think they have enough offense to complete compete with Brooklyn. And they, I mean, they obviously, 
And same thing with Milwaukee, same thing with Boston. They just don't have the star power. And very See, seldomly. as much as I love Boston, I think they do have an argument with Boston. Boston is just not well, looking so this year. Boston's star power doesn't play like a star. Like, Kemba Walker has been, like, equal to Peyton Pritchard so far. Yeah. Like, it's, it's been, like. Exactly. Where Where is Kemba? Where is the Kemba from Charlotte that, you know, people were making. He was carrying the Charlotte team. I remember they. Yeah. Put them in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. And Not when he came to ago. when he came to Boston, it was like, oh, that's immediately going to replace what Kyrie did. Like huh. literally copy and paste. Mm-hmm. And it just hasn't been that at all. I think there is a I would argue that there is some like lingering injury problems from last year. Like he was banged up a lot of last year and that was the reason like in the bubble we looked terrible. Like he just like it just wasn't Kemba and I think that's still lingering a little bit no proof behind that but it just doesn't look like the Kemba that we got like that we expected to have so I will say though Jalen Brown looks like I mean obviously he's Mm -hmm. he's been in the league for a while so it's not like I'm saying anything that nobody knows but he is really good like and every time I want to say that Jalen Brown is better than Jason Tatum Something stops me from saying it, but I just want to put that opinion out there because mm-hmm. I, I feel it. I just – I don't know what it is. I just think Jalen Brown is a slightly better player. Mm-hmm. No, no, no knock to Jason Tatum, but I think Jalen Brown is really good. And me if too. they can, you know, figure out what's going on with their offense, figure out who's going to handle the ball because the only thing is neither one of them can really run an offense. Right. And if Kemba Walker can't seem to figure out what he's doing, they don't really have a great interior presence. But no, that we don't have any interior like interior yeah. presence at all. We got Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice. Like yeah. that's not that's not what we're looking for. There's no interior presence. Yeah, come on. But yeah, I don't I don't feel good about Boston's chances this year. We need a center. We need a center. Like there's no debate about that. Are you calling pretenders or contenders on Boston? Hmm. Until we get a center, uh, until we get a center, pretenders, for sure. I think, I think the Pacers have a chance of finishing better than us. So, finishing in regular season or finishing in the playoffs? Regular season. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of that is emotionally fueled, but you know, we'll see. Another big team in the East that's making some noise the Charlotte Hornets who are sitting at six in the East right now at 12 and 13 and Lonzo's putting together quite a rookie of the year campaign right now. Are you calling pretenders or contenders on the Charlotte Hornets? Yeah. Yeah. Mellow. Gosh. Yeah. It's mellow. Gosh. I'm geez, whatever. LaMelo ball is putting together a hell of a strong rookie of the year campaign. Lonzo wouldn't even come close to rookie of the year right now. He's been terrible. But, yeah, what are your thoughts on the Charlotte Hornets and their pretender contender ability? I think as far as, like, in the East, they are a contender to make the playoffs. Because, like, what is going on? Why is Gordon Hayward, like, I remember seeing Gordon Hayward's con. I was, I remember looking at Gordon Hayward's contract and like, I wouldn't be surprised if a, like if the Hornets gave him a four year, $30 million deal, I was be like, okay, like that's fair. They gave him $30 million a year right? for four years. Yeah. Like I, I was like completely Nobody shocked. expected that. Yeah. God, that came no. out of nowhere. 
And, and especially like, playing with Boston, I mean, he does not look like a $30 million player no. when he was in Boston. Like, and like, it's completely been a revival of his career. It was, and Miles Bridges is another guy who's like completely become the guy that he was supposed to be coming out right. of Michigan State. I was a big Miles Bridges guy. But it's nice to see, you know, a lot of guys that, you know, were struggling. I think if hopefully Malik Monk is next, if they can get Malik Monk to be what they drafted him to be. Maybe they could make some noise. Maybe they could, you know, give like if if they match up with Boston, mm-hmm. could they give Boston a few games? Like, right. I feel like Lamelo Ball being your leader is, you know, kind of scary if you want to beat a team that has playoff experience. But right. I'm I'm calling contenders as far as can they be a playoff team? Because yes, I think they could be a playoff team. You know, given the right circumstances, because the East is a lot more top heavy this year than a lot of people anticipated it being. The Raptors yeah. are struggling like a lot. He are struggling. He yeah. are struggling. Of course, I think those teams figure it out. So it's going to be kind of a scramble for those last two seeds. But I think there's a chance if, you know, LaMelo can continue on the trend that he's going. I think they have a chance. Yeah. Right. Definitely. I think that just about does it. So that is all we got today. But we'll come back at you next week. We're looking for an earlier release next week. This week we had some scheduling conflicts, but we'll try to get it out Monday, Tuesday, every week. But as far as it goes, I think that's just about it. But we'll catch you next week and hope you have a good week. Listen throughout the week and we'll catch you later.